We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is to hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. Welcome back to another episode of What the World Needs More Of. I am here with my new friend, Brandon. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And as always, we're going to dive right in with the big question of the show. What do you feel the world needs more of? So the first thing that comes to mind for me is love. Uh, But to dive a little bit deeper into that, um, I think that we need more self-love and self-care and it's my belief that through that practice of self-care and self-love we are more equipped to then give that love to others and to the world as well as that care and we are also more equipped to receive it um as well i love that i love that the more equipped we are to receive it and the more equipped we are to then share it with the world how do you do that in the world each day so there's a lot of, of daily habits or practices that I have to, you know, cultivate that within myself. Um, I, I think to, to, to really give um, a very honest answer here, it, it actually really starts with uh, healing the, the, the wounds or the trauma or any pain that may be within someone from, you know, this could be childhood experiences, this could be trauma or tragedy uh, around you, um, you know, your culture, your lifestyle, anything that's happened, we first have to, you know, heal those wounds and kind of face that pain and suffering within um, to then get to a place where we can do the daily practice and cultivation of self-care and self-love. And these are super basic things like taking care of your health, eating well, uh, being very mindful um, about the things you're feeding your body and your mind, Um, meditating, journaling, reading, feeding your brain, um, exercising, working out each day, expressing you know, your love and appreciation for family members and loved ones and spending time connecting with family members and loved ones. Um, those are some of my core practices. I love it. I love it. Now, I'm a huge fan of all of these. Facing the pain, figuring out how to turn it into something that can platform. Uh, we have a guest that's going to be coming up in a few episodes where she's a recipient of a double lung transfer. She's currently at UCLA Medical. I follow her on Instagram, and she brings massive inspiration into my day every day because she like there's pictures there where it's the real deal. She shows pictures of her side where she has these giant tubes coming straight out of the side of her body right now, keeping her lungs functioning as they are. And each day, she's been able to take the pain and, and the challenge she's going through and turn it into a beautiful way to help others heal. And, and there's you know thousands and thousands of people who follow this young girl and every day she's talking about how to help them heal and in the process like you said she's not only healing herself but she's healing so many in that process it's a beautiful way to give but it starts with her 
in this case, taking care of herself and then reflecting that out into the world. How true. And I love what you said, Absolutely. eating well, connecting with family, meditating, working out all these pieces that help you be your best self so you can give your best self. I love that. Now, I'd, yeah, love, to know, I'd love to know more about you just to give people some context of how you came about these things, how you came to know these things is true and practice them in your life. And the way I'd love to know that is what do you consider to be your wow factor? What makes you uniquely you? And maybe what's one or two life moments that help shape it over the years? Absolutely. So, gosh, the first thing that comes to mind on the wow factor is um, my willingness to uh, to be vulnerable and to be uncomfortable mm. um, has allowed me to build some incredibly uh, deep and meaningful relationships um, because of the ability to, to connect. Um, you know, it's in that vulnerability and in that um, oftentimes those moments of discomfort, you know, getting up on the stage and speaking when you, you know, everything's telling you not to or, you know, walking up to that individual and having the hard conversation that you've been avoiding um, anything. Right. But it, it allows inside of that for really deep uh, connection to happen. And for me, that's what I value a lot in life is, is personal connection. Right. So we have to be vulnerable um, with ourselves. We have to be willing to put ourselves in some um, somewhat uncomfortable moments at times um, so that we can grow and we can face fears and all of that. And then also with other people, um, you know, to be able to connect and to be able to um, connect uh, in that relationship with someone else. Um, and I, I feel that I've got a, a, a strong knack for that and an ability to really connect with others because of my willingness to be vulnerable um, and face these uncomfortable moments. The second part, you know, big defining life moments um, is what actually taught me how to do uh, some of this and practice the vulnerability. Uh, the first big defining life moment for me was my little brother uh, died on my 23rd birthday. Mm. Um, he was 17. He was a senior in high school, um, and he was at a car accident. Um, I was in the military at the time living in South Florida um, and got a phone call on a Friday afternoon. It was my 23rd birthday. I'm hanging out with friends and, you know, get this phone call that my little brother had been in a car accident and flew home to Alabama to the small town that I'm originally from. And he, he was hooked up to these machines. He, he was in a car wreck and ejected from the vehicle and he severed his brainstem um, when he landed. And so they kept him alive on these machines. He was technically brain dead um, for about two days. And uh, eventually he, he, he died. Um, and it was a really defining moment for me in, in a lot of ways. Um, and also it was a very beautiful, uh, moment as well because of what it taught me and, and what it gave me, um, to move forward with and to grow with and to face and to overcome through that experience. Mm. Wow. What an experience that's, that had to be tough. And, and, how did it help bring more of that vulnerability into your life in that moment? Was it accepting it? Was it learning to, to walk in that space? Was it, what, what, what element brought that vulnerability to surface for you? You, you know, there, there's a lot. The, the first thing I did as a 23 year old man is I, I took on this, this role of protecting my family and protecting his friends and protecting all of these individuals that were hurting uh, through this tragic accident and in the process of doing all that, I wasn't protecting me. Mm. Um, and so I would deal with my guilt and my grief and my pain from all of this 
in really destructive ways. Um, I would drink a lot. Um, I, I was just using other ways to sedate that pain. And obviously none of that works. So it just made the pain more intense and it made all of these things that I was experiencing uh, stronger, all the negative parts of that. So I got to a certain point a few years later where uh, I realized something had to change. You know, I needed to figure out how to how to face some of this and how to heal from some of this trauma. And actually, it was it was you know finding a lot of the the personal development world, um, a lot of the content from uh, from your father and other amazing people out there that have done similar work. And that sent me on a beautiful path of uh, self development and learning um, tools and, and skill sets and practices that would allow me to start to heal the pain within. And some of those, you know, very initial ones were to actually be honest about what was going on, you know, and to face the man in the mirror, um, to be vulnerable, to express these emotions I was having. Um, and then to start that journey of, you know, healing the, the trauma and healing the pain which then brought me to this place where I was able to then look at this whole experience very differently and find these beautiful gifts inside of this tragic, uh, this tragic story that, you know, my little brother was an organ donor and uh, a man received his heart. I got to meet the man that received his heart. And, you know, at the, the first meeting, um, walking up to him, I didn't extend my hand to shake his hand and do what we normally do as men when we're meeting someone new. I just walked up and, and, he opened his arms and I put my ear to his chest and I listened to my little brother's heartbeat. Mm. Um, and I got to build a relationship for about 10 years with this gentleman before he passed away. I got to take my daughter when she was about three years old to meet him, you know, and, and do the same thing where she listened to, you know, my little brother, her uncle's heartbeat in this man's chest. And so, you know, I started to reframe through these tools I was getting through personal development and in self care, I started to learn how to reframe that experience from, you know, what a lot of people label as bad or, or painful or tragic. And it can be, it has elements of all of that. Um, but there's also some beautiful gifts inside of that. You know, my little brother saved people's lives. I was blessed to have a little brother for 17 years. Some people never get to have that experience. And so, um, that journey, you know, taught me then how to use these same tools and skill sets in, other areas of my life as well. Mm. How beautiful. And and I, I think there's deep power in that again, when someone can take tragedy and, and figure out how something that at one point feels like the end of something and turn it into the beginning of a beautiful healing journey, not only for themselves, but for others. There's deep power in that. It's really remarkable when people choose that path and it's a choice. Not everyone has the opportunity, mm -hmm. but not everyone takes that journey. And, and, and so, you know, for those who do, it, it's such a freeing experience from my experience of working with them and around them. And it turns into a, a beautiful platform and gift for a lot of their life to be built upon. Here's my next question. On this journey, what's a moment that made you feel incredibly humble? <laughs> there, there, there's been a lot. Um, gosh. You know, it was probably... The first thing that comes to mind is when I saw my daughter being mm -hmm. born. Um, it put a lot of things in perspective. Um, a lot of my life, I realized I was I was living. It was a lot about me, you know, very selfish. And 
I do believe that there's a lot of value again when we talk about there's there's a healthy approach to being selfish. Um, but it was seeing the birth of my daughter and going through. I've been a single dad since she was born, um, and I have an incredibly healthy relationship with her mother, and and we co-parent together in this beautiful, beautiful way. And we have since since our our daughter was born and that experience of her birth and then going through this new development, this new phase of life of becoming a single father and learning how to navigate that, you know, in a healthy, loving, supportive way with this other human being that, you know, we have different, somewhat different beliefs, different lifestyles, different ideas of how we think that process and that journey should be, or it should go. Um, It's been an incredibly humbling experience that continues to teach me more and more and more um, every single day. Hmm. I can imagine. Especially, it's interesting to have a different belief or experiences or ways you view life is one thing when you're trying to just be partners with a human or a spouse or a relationship. (laughs) But now when when you're guiding the future generation of life and now you have to choose which one is more important or how to express it within each other or how to how to guide this human and one person says right and the other one says left i can only imagine the experience that brings up um it, it it's quite a journey and and i, I i'm curious to know <laughs> i think it's a side conversation <laughs> but i think i'll sure. circle back in a different episode and pick your brain <laughs> on stuff you've learned in that sector cuz I, I think it'd be really yeah. useful to people um, but for, for this case, that is a humbling moment, you know, to watch, I, I've heard it said, someone said in an earlier episode, seeing their child being born, put them in a very humbling position because they now had a new sense of understanding of what the human specifically female body was truly capable of. <laughs> mm. He was just staying, yeah. like, standing there going, wow, I had no clue what, what this thing could do. I mean, I, I understood the process. I just didn't know until I saw it. And then he was definitely in a new level of humbleness. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, from humble moments, what about a moment that left you in a state of awe? Gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> oh, man. Um, mm. You know, I went down to Haiti uh, after the, the last hurricane about two years ago, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, after the really bad one. And uh, I went out to this village called Jabwin. It's about seven hours from the, the Port-au-Prince airport. Um, it's way, way, way out, very remote village. You know, one tiny school and, um, you know, a few hundred people that live in this little community. Um, and, and it was getting out there. And, and this area had been devastated, you know, just completely devastated. Uh, houses, which which were only shacks to begin with, you know, very poor um, area. So uh, all of these structures, you know, that, that were um, people previously just living already very poverty and, 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 and very uh, minimal in the sense of what we look at and we have, you know, here in the States for a home. Um, and, and it just being completely wiped out, completely gone, uh, children sleeping in uh, in the ground, they would dig out uh, a small hole and then lay the uh, the tin that had flown off of some of these, you know, homes and shacks. They would lay that with sticks supporting it, so to make like this little, almost like a little um, lean-to in the side of a hill for children to sleep in at night. Um, there was flooding. There was people, in, a lot of injured people. There was disease, and and I got there. 
And every single person that I met, that I saw, that we interacted with, had a smile, was grateful, was expressing thanks and appreciation, not just to us, the, the people that were there, you know, supporting some first aid and, and trying to help, but to their neighbors, to their family, to their friends. And to see that type of resilience and that type of positive mindset in this extremely uh, disastrous moment of time for them, it just, I took a step back and I remember being incredibly um, inspired, incredibly, uh, I was humbled at that moment as well, and just um, shocked with awe and, and really fascinated by their ability to um, still carry such a, a full heart and um, so much just gratitude despite what they were experiencing. There's something, there's something special that happens that I, I think you're, you're experiencing this state of awe in, which is that if we look at just the foundational elements of, of psychology of what people really need to platform off of, um, feeling like they, they have enough they are enough and they're loved enough. Mm. And so often we get a reflection when people travel the world. And I had this same reflection where you get to a part of the world and it seems as if material wise, like it doesn't look like people have enough. It doesn't look like it from our perception based on what we've grown up around or what we've seen or experienced ourselves. And, and you think of like someone lying in a ditch with a little piece of tin lend up, lend, leaned up against something as the shelter. And we're like, that does not look like enough. <laughs> Like, right. I would not want to sleep there uh, compared to what I've seen. Uh, but th there's a freedom that comes. Uh, and I don't, I mean, just to toss my own little experience in there just for whatever it's worth. I, I, I went and volunteered living in a rural farming village for three months in Uganda. And mm. what was interesting, there's no running water, no electricity, no toilets. It's the places where you have to walk a quarter mile to fill up a jug with water to drag it home and boil it just to have a cup of drinking water. And, yep. you know, for the first so many weeks you're there, it's kind of culture shock and you're just getting used to the process and it feels like you're kind of camping. Um, but then when you hit like month two and month three, y you learn a whole different process and it's no longer like you're rough at it. it. It's just life. And what happens is when you recalibrate, there's a weird thing that's eventually answered in our nervous system. And I think this is useful for everyone who's listening. The concept of what has to happen in, in your world for you to feel like you have enough. Uh -huh. And the moment you can reach yeah. the answer to that, all of a sudden, if you have enough, and, and science even backs this up. There was a research study that went in, in the UK, and they, they went and asked people, you know, all different income levels and all different earning levels, um, you know, do you feel like you have enough? And are you happy? And they rated the happiness correlation to how much they were making. What they found is, if you had enough to cover your basic bills and your basic livelihood of whatever you, you were used to, and then you had a little bit more above that, you were an extremely happy human. That's where the happiness peak was. Enough plus a little bit more. They found that the more money you made past that, happiness went up just a little bit the more money you made. And then there was a weird, I don't remember what it was, but there was a weird number that you hit that when you go too high, all of a sudden, even though you have more than you need, way more at that point, the happiness starts to fall because it starts to bring stress with it. And I was like, interesting, interesting. And so a lot of the reflection going back to these villages and, and, and when you meet people like this, a lot of people I've met when you talk to them, like, do you have enough? They've, they've 
simplified to the way that as long as they have their family and food and a little shelter and some water, they've got enough. Now, that's not everybody. There's people there who are like, no, this is not enough. I want more in life, and they're going to go for it. <laughs> sure. But there's other sure. people there who are like, hey, they got their arms around their loved ones and their kid's healthy, and they're like, as long as we're alive and healthy, I got enough. And all of a sudden, you realize the freedom that they're experiencing, which is hence you go to the next thing. Am I loved enough? And when they have the freedom of community and they're all loving on each other, they feel tons of love. And then it's, am I enough? And well, if you're in the community, you have your shelter and you have some food and water and, and you feel like you have enough and you're being loved enough. And I guess I am enough. And all of a sudden you get this beautiful, thriving community that a lot of times us, you know, from, from America come and set foot and are like, how do these people have nothing, but they're so happy. And in their mind, it's not that they don't have anything. They have everything. (laughs) They scratch their head and they look at us with our bags dragging behind us and all this stuff we carry everywhere. And they're like, how do you have everything and not be happy? That's so weird. (laughs) It's It's so true. It's an interesting twist. Um, But I can definitely, I can relate. And and, and I I love that awe-inspiring moment of going somewhere that's not even a good time. This is a bad time. Like Stuff's been torn apart. It's all jacked up. You know, people are incredibly open mindset, loving heart. Like they're there warm and friendly, even though they've gotten the tar kicked out of them as a village or a community. Um, what, what, what an awe-inspiring moment. I love that one. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was truly beautiful. Yeah. Here's my next question. What's your greatest fear? <sighs> I, it's my daughter. Um, hmm. I think, I think her, her getting hurt or experiencing pain, um, her, you know, suffering in life, something happening to her. Um, that's, that's for sure. My, my greatest fear. <laughs> I can only imagine, I can only imagine protecting that little being you brought into the world. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've got some fears. I'm, I'm afraid of heights, you know, it used to be like something really big. So I started skydiving, um, you know, and I, I try to do that with other fears that I have, you know, I was afraid of public speaking when I was younger. So I started speaking, I started going to events and talking and speaking and doing that. I was afraid of heights. So I started facing that fear. And the interesting thing about being a father, you know, with a little girl and, and that being a fear of mine is, you know, there's ways to, um, to work through that fear through, you know, certain self-care practices and mindset things and, and meditation and things of that nature. And, and then I've found actually from a practical perspective, something that's incredible is to just connect more with my daughter and to really be present and patient uh, in moments that we have together so that despite whatever may happen in the future that's out of my control. Um, her and I have lived a full life together, a complete life. And I've, you know, shown up as the best version of myself as a father, as an example, as a loving man and a support system for her. Um, and so just to add <laughs> the practical part of, you know, how I work through that fear uh, is just making sure that I'm, experiencing every moment to the fullest with her and creating as, as many memories um, and as much connection as possible. Hmm. I love that. I love that. I also love the fact that you've looked at these fears one by one and gone straight at them. 
which is a beautiful way to get fear to finally dissipate. It's to go head on. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I think it was, was it Paulo Quill who said the fear of suffering is so much worse than the suffering itself would ever will be. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. It's like to go on that exactly. journey to dive headfirst in and it, 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 there's freedom in, in the moment of going through. Um, there was a great book. What was it called? I think it's called the tools. It's written by two psychologists or psychotherapists. And, and they have okay. this cool thing called the reversal of desire, which is actually what you're doing. Um, and it's really funny. Like they, they say, imagine the pain is on, you know, hold on. Imagine what you want on the other side of the room. Imagine in the middle between in the room between you and there is a cloud of this fear, the pain that you don't like or don't want. And in order for you to physically cross the room, you, you want to look at the fear. And for most people, we walk towards the fear, we get to it, and then we back off. And then we get close to uh -huh. it and we back off and we spend our whole life doing that. And they said, instead of saying, I don't want the fear, say, I love the fear. I am the fear. I love the fear. I am the fear. And as you're screaming, I love the fear. I am the fear. Walk right through the middle of the cloud, become the fear and then pop out the other side. And all of a sudden you find freedom. And what's funny is I love that. you did exactly that where you're standing there. You're like, I'm afraid of heights. I'm a skydiver. And all of a sudden you are the fear. I am the fear. I am the fear. Pfft, you're out the door, you're flying. And now it's this amazing experience <laughs> or, yeah. or the same thing. Speaking. I am the fear. I love the fear. I am the fear. All of a sudden you're on stage talking too late to quit now. And boom, you nailed it. Um, and and <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like these people sat down and analyzed the whole situation. Somehow you innately knew how to do that and charge right into it. That's awesome. Well, and I, I don't know if I would say that I innately did it. It was also, like you said, it was learning, you know, and reading and studying, you know, so much of, I realized that I was equipped with a lot of innate uh, skill sets, talents, and abilities and that, you know, it's my belief that my kind of purpose, you know, if you will, here is to, to find and discover those unique uh, skill sets and traits and abilities that I have and develop and cultivate those to the best of my ability and share them with the world. Uh, but then there's a lot that I, I wasn't naturally gifted with, but, you know, through learning and studying and, and practice, you know, every single day, I can develop certain skill sets and certain traits and certain things. And um, I didn't know that naturally, um, but through the personal development journey um, and kind of some of that, that personal healing I was going through. I was able to learn a lot of this stuff in books like you just described that then gave me these additional tools and really confidence to know like, hey, here's a tool that if, if used and applied in a certain way can potentially yield a certain result. It's like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's go down that path and let's do that and let's utilize that. So, um, yeah, just to add that, I think it's really important that people do, uh, do add that component of, you know, self-study and, and, the, and then practice what you're studying, test it and try it, maybe tweak it a little bit too, to see if there's a unique version of somebody else's uh, practice that, you know, may work a little bit better for you. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Speaking of the future and things you're excited about, what are you most excited about for the future? Um, right now it's, it's, it's making an impact um, in the areas that I am currently focusing a lot of my time, energy, and, and resources. Um, it's through entrepreneurship, um, creating uh, products and services of value that 
um, through that exchange of value and that vehicle of entrepreneurship, um, I'm actually giving back and um, supporting things that I believe in, organizations and, and um, certain work that I believe is making a very powerful impact in the world and, and especially and specifically in the youth. Um, and it's, it's my belief that if we can really focus a lot of our energy um, into the youth, um, that we can really shift um, a lot of the uh, kind of trajectory um, that we're experiencing right now in the world into a more positive, more useful direction. Hmm. I love that. Bringing entrepreneurship, allowing that to connect you in ways that add value so that you can then focus all that value on the youth and prepare them and build them into future generational leaders. How cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. It. I very much dig it. Now we're going to switch sections here to what we call nuts and bolts. For everyone listening, this is the practical, tangible, applicable, and, and everything you've shared so much so far is practical and tangible and applicable. We're going to narrow in a little bit more for people. Um, so if, if you're listening, the, the first piece I want to dive in and ask, where do you focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day as of right now? So it's on what are the small actions each day that I can do that will move the needle forward. So for me, my daily thoughts and actions and time um, outside of, of, you know, the, the kind of core habits, right? They're, they're a little bit different of like exercise every day, meditate every day, you know, hydrate, eat well, that sort of stuff. It's focusing my thoughts specifically in my time on what can I do in this moment um, that's going to be the most useful to move the needle forward just a little bit. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, but just a, a small uh, progression forward toward the big targets, the big dreams, the big goals that I have. Mm. Um, and, and again, that's part of a bigger daily practice. But as far as that specific question, it's, it's what can I do in this moment that's going to move me closer or more toward that thing or that experience or that result that I, I truly want. I love that. And what's a key to your success in that? Well, I think first it's clarity it's getting really honest and clear with myself about what it is I do actually want. And for me, um, that starts every day, uh, with journaling. Um, and so I, I break up my life into four distinct areas, um, that, you know, we all have these areas They can be called a lot of different things, but for me, it's my body. And that's just the physical vessel, my energy, my vitality, my health and well wellness, my ability to go out and experience the world, you know, through this physical vessel, mm -hmm. um, and then my being, which is more the spiritual or kind of my inner experience, um, consciousness, uh, relationship to God, to the universe, to others, um, whatever you want to call it. But that's that, that internal experience, that being component. Uh, and then the third area is, is all the other relationships. So family, friends, loved ones, um, coworkers, all that sort of stuff. And then the fourth one is business or essentially just my vehicle to create uh, resources. Um, and so every single day it's getting clear again about what am I working on right now? What do I really want in each of these areas? And for me, it's really now it's just kind of a reminder because these things don't change a, a, a whole lot. You know, they, they go through seasons um, and, and they may change every year or two, but like day to day, it's kind of the same, you know, so it's just reminding myself every single day about what it is I really want in my body, in my relationships, with my spiritual connection 
uh, in my business. And then uh, once I have that clarity, then it's much easier to actually execute the habits, the, the actions, the daily practices necessary to create those results. Mm, that makes so much sense. How, how do you go about reminding yourself? So it, it's having clarity, it's journaling about this, but if you were to give people some granular specifics, like what can they do that once they know what they want in their body or in their being, in their relationships, in their business, how do you keep it right in front of your face every day? Because so often I've watched people write goals, set, you know, write stuff down, stick it in their journal, and six months later pull it out, kind of blow the dust off and go, hey, let's see how I did. Yeah, this is a great question. And it really comes down to understanding like human behavior and psychology and why we do the things that we do. A lot of what we do is based on programming. It's patterns, right? We're constantly in these this cycle of patterns over and over and over, kind of repeating the same things over and over and over. We set these big goals, and oftentimes people are setting a goal that's kind of a, a out-of-reach thing, right? It's this big, lofty goal. I want to achieve this, or I want to do this big, big, big thing, and it seems so gigantic that then it's really hard to get there because it's like, wow, this is really out of reach, and this is really, really big. So then people get exhausted. They burn out. They get discouraged because they're working really hard for a short period of time, and they haven't yet achieved that big thing. So what I do is I create short-term big targets, 90 days or so. And then once I identify that target or that result, and it may be attached to a more long-term, you know, a 12-month or a two-year goal, but I'll, I'll create these short-term targets and say it's 90 days. I'll reverse engineer that all the way down to week one, day one. What's required week one, day one? What's an action? What's a thing that I can do that day that's going to move me one step closer to that 90-day target? So by doing this, I can identify certain results or certain actions or certain habits that I need to practice or I need to achieve, you know, week one, day one, all throughout that first week, you know, week two, week three. And then it's just accountability. And that part, I believe we always, we need accountability partners. Talk about what you're working on with people that can support you, people that believe in you, people that, you know, they're in alignment with the, the path of your own. Um, that way, you know, they're not going to bring you down and be like, oh, you can't do that or, you know, this and that. It's, you need people that have positive mindsets that can support you and help hold you accountable, but you got to tell people what you're working on. Um, and that's, you know, a big, big piece to my success in, in, in achieving targets and, and, and really just personal growth, being able to grow more toward the things that I really want is by creating realistic short-term targets um, and, then, and then reversing those down to like, well, what's the daily things that I need to do today so I'm moving a little bit closer toward this thing I want here in two or three months? I like it. I like it. Here's our final question. What's one tip, actionable tip, that you could share that would help others achieve this kind of success that you experience each day and all that you're doing and all that you're creating in the world? Obviously, we can hear that you're doing well. You're building great things. You're expanding yourself personally, not only in your body, but your being, your relationships, your business. Um, you, you, it sounds like you have a beautiful little one in this world that you're crafting and bringing in and, and shaping to be a, a beautiful young woman that's going to bring great things into this planet. 
Um, you, you have some amazing habits, whether it's, you know, the ability to free the pain and heal the wounds and take that and, and you know, help others with it, eating well, connecting, meditating, working out. There's so much going on here. Um, what's one thing we could leave with people, that one actionable tip that they could do from this session that would help them experience kind of the, the life and success you've had so far? So the most important thing in, in my belief um, is creating personal space and personal time. Mm. We the world where we're constantly distracted by the next notification, ping, alert, we're constantly, you know, engaged in this digital world and it's harder and harder for people to disconnect and to, to, to talk about these habits that, you know, we all know are going to, you know, help people live a, a more successful, healthier, happier life, right? These things aren't new. They've been around forever. But the challenge is a lot of people are like, I don't have time. I don't have the time to do this. You're, you're asking me to do these new things and I'm busy and uh, distracted. I don't have the time. Creating and carving out personal time, personal space. And I think the most important way and time to do this is first thing in the morning. Um, and you, you wake up 20 minutes earlier, 30 minutes earlier than you have to so that you can create some personal time. And when you get comfortable you know, doing that, create a little bit more. Ideally, what I recommend for people is get up to about 60 to 90 minutes of personal time, ideally first thing in the morning before you've got to go out and face the world and interact with all these other people so that inside of that personal time, you can do these things that are going to uh, promote self-care, self-love, internal happiness and gratitude, mental clarity, all these things that we've talked about. I love that. I love that. Creating that space. Ideally, first thing in the morning. Ideally, working it up to 60 to 90 minutes of time that you can do all the things we mentioned, from journaling to meditating to exercising to mentally and emotionally preparing for the day and, and really getting into that space. What a great tip. What a great tip. I love it. Yeah. Well, sir, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing so much life with us and so many experiences and lessons of your journey. We very much appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute, uh, absolute joy. So very welcome. And for everyone tuning in, thank you so much for joining us, sharing a little bit of life and love with us. If you like what you've been hearing, make sure to share. We believe sharing is caring and we love caring people around here. So make sure to share with someone you love and care about who could use this information. And as always, if you like it, make sure to click subscribe. And uh, thank you. Thank you. We look forward to seeing you all next episode.